All right, all right. What's up, everybody? This is Gratitude Unfiltered, and I am your host, Joshua T. Barkland. Good to see everyone today. Uh, and of course, the people I cannot see because you're listening to the audio version of this on iHeartRadio, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher. Welcome. Thank you guys so much for the support. And of course, Facebook and YouTube and PSTV. Thank you guys so much for supporting the show. I hope everyone is doing well today. Happy holidays. Uh, Merry Christmas. Whatever whatever thing that you celebrate around this time of year, happy it. <laughs> whatever the heck that means. Anyway, but it is Christmas. And I don't know why people get offended by saying Merry Christmas because that is the name of the holiday, just like you say Happy Hanukkah when it's Hanukkah. Anyway, uh, I'm excited to be here. It feels like it's been a few days. What's up, Lisa Walker? Uh, radio audience and, of course, the streaming television uh, network on PSTV, that audience, you guys are welcome to check out us on Facebook at facebook.com slash gratitude unfiltered. The reason why you do that is because we interact with the audience here. And until I have a live studio audience, the second season, Carl, um, the second season when we have a live studio audience for the show, um, we'll still find a way to talk to Facebook. But for now, we interact with Facebook here because uh, people like Lisa in London, I think you're in London, right? Forgive me if not. I know you're in the UK or somewhere like that. But we all join the conversation, ask questions of our guests, and you guys are really what makes the show a lot of fun outside of having awesome guests, of course. Uh, really quick, I want to give a shout out. I got two different things. Some some of you have seen the New Year's Evolution event that's happening. Um, I've got really good tickets for that that I'm going to be giving away. So if you're going to be in San Diego or you're near Southern California, uh, just comment me in the section or just message me at livemana at iCloud.com. I'm I have tickets for you, um, and then of course there's a 24-hour sale for even cheaper tickets. So I'm going to be hooking you guys up. Uh, Merry Christmas to you too, Lisa. Um, also, I want to give a shout out to Perium. Uh, they sent me some amazing products that I cannot wait to try. So thank you guys so much for sending this and the support. Um, I'm not going to comment on it because I literally just took it before we started. And I don't want to say anything good or bad about it because I don't have an opinion yet. So when I have an opinion about it, we'll talk about it when they come on the show and talk about it. Um, I'm really, really excited about our guest. This is going to be a very fun show. Um, it's going to be different because, again, I don't know what I'm going to ask. We'll just see what's going to happen here. Um, I really, really quick want to also give a shout out to the Citizens Commission on Human Rights, cchr.org. Uh, please check it out. It's basically psychiatry is death. I went to that museum today before the show, and I kind of got emotional. Uh, just looking at the history of psychiatry and how it's worked, how, you know, it, it's how it's psychiatry has and how it's contributed to slavery, how it's contributed to the war on terror, how it's how it's contributed to school shootings and suicide. And it just it broke my heart because I was sitting there reading all of these stories um, and how it was used in the Holocaust, too, as, as well. And the experiments that were done on on children, on women and men. It's heartbreaking. And um, as you know, I'm a mental health advocate. I speak out against a borderline personality disorder. I speak out against the pharmaceutical industry. And I'm like, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that every pharmaceutical is bad. I'm just going to tell you that we need to start educating ourselves and look at the history of things and not just buy what they're telling us on TV. We need to do our own research. Um, so I'm not going to get into preaching, but I'm really, really excited after experiencing that 
I spoke to the international director. There's 200 chapters of this organization all over the world. I spoke to the international director and they're gonna be coming on the show. So I'm excited about that. Um, so one of my favorite things is when somebody recommends a guest for the show, I, I love that. And, and I really try to get as many different types of people on the show. I mean, look, we're all God's children, but we all have different interests. We all have different passions. We all have different jobs. We have different careers. Um, we have different paths. We, have had, we, don't, we all have a different story. And that's why we all get to share it because we, when we share our authentic story, it's amazing the kind of contribution that we make. And our guest, next guest is no different. Um, I'm really excited to have Sienna Seclair. She's an educated historian and acclaimed travel author and passionate seeker of all things naughty. She has traveled the planet driven by her love of antiquity and sex and created a niche for herself that has developed into a successful entrepreneurial career as the naughty girl of LA. Her mission includes providing transformational and intimate experiences for women to explore their potential naughtiness and become comfortable with expressing their curiosity and desires in a safe and fun spaces. There's more, uh, you guys can check the bio on the show. I don't wanna get into a freaking a novel here, but there's a lot here that's really interesting. Actually, I'm gonna keep reading. Sienna Sinclair has become the headmistress on a non-discriminatory movement of acceptance that is changing the way people see themselves and their sexual value. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. It's not what you see in magazines. My events are diverse. People experience that everyone is beautiful in their own way. Sienna is paving the way for a perfect, perfection-obsessed society to learn how to love and accept our physical bodies in all shapes and forms, how to cultivate confidence from the inside out and become aware of our sexual nature, learning how to own our power without the shame and guilt conventional institutions have attached to it. If this is what being on the naughty list can achieve, sign me up. Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Sienna Sinclair. And so now in the live studio audience, they're all standing up and clapping. Hello, Sienna. How are you? Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. I'm, um, right into it, so I appreciate you being patient with all of the reschedules and everything else, yeah, but yeah. I'm extremely blessed to have you here today. Um, and you are, you're in Los Angeles, hence the Naughty Girl of LA. LA. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very cool. So first things first, what are you grateful for this afternoon, Sienna? First, I'm just grateful for what I do and also for helping so many wonderful men and women um, explore their naughty side and help build them confidence. So I, I, I appreciate what you're doing because one of the, the most challenging, sex is such a complicated subject. Like we all try to fit sex into a box. I mean, whether you're labeling, um, you know, you're bi, you're gay, you're straight, you're transgendered, you, you have those labels and you have the labels of, well, I'm into this. Like people have their fetishes, people have, you know, people have their little stuff. And the thing is, when it should be celebrated that that is the part of their uniqueness, it's actually what a lot of people keep secret. And as I share on the show, whether it's a secret of, you know, something that you're, anything that you're hiding, there's nothing that, no, nothing good that grows in the dark. Sexuality is one of those things where the secrets are kept. So what gave you the courage to be one of those people that were gonna stand in your truth and just be the sexual being that you are, and yet, be able to do it 
like, I mean, you've expressed yourself with a lot of grace. I mean, yeah, it's called you know, the naughty girl of LA, but it's really done tastefully. So it's not really that naughty. It's not as forbidden as maybe the word sounds. Yeah. Well, it all started with how I saw it transforming my life. When I used to live in London, I was out traveling the world and taking these naughty tours of different cities and also visiting brothels and strip clubs. And I just saw how the naughtiness was a positive thing where people can think it as a negative thing and it wasn't at all. I got into stripping and I'll tell you, stripping is what really helped me love my body more and give me more confidence, it, you know, put me in control. And there is a lot of good that comes out of it because I see people who come to my parties and they're super shy and then all of a sudden they're brought into this community, this world where it's okay to be naughty at your own level. Remember, naughty is, naughty comp is not a competition that people come with all different levels, whether they just want to be a voyeur or, you know, they just, you know, want to um, sit back and just kind of like figure out what they're into or participate. So it's all different kinds of levels. And I'm here to help people explore their naughty side, no matter what it is. Are, so you cater mostly to women, correct? I like to cater mostly to women, but of course, men always find me. Um, yeah, I try to cater to women because when I was traveling, I'm a woman and I was looking for female friendly things to do because it can be a seedy world out there and naughtiness doesn't have to be city, seedy, it doesn't have to be nasty. Um, it can be very, you know, um, sweet, <laughs> um, innocent in a way. But I was writing for women and that I still write mostly for women, but of course I have mostly male followers and um, a lot of couples too. Yeah, it's, I've, you know, I, in my, in my previous, my previous life, I, um, I was a cheater. Um, it, and it's, and it really stemmed from, I mean, one, I, I'm not going to make excuses for my behavior because there's no excuse for the behavior that I had. But a lot of it, I can tell you right now, stem from wanting to keep secrets and not being comfortable or true with myself about who I was or I just being honest about, you know, my like I couldn't be honest with my wife, my first wife or my second wife um, about could not be honest about what it was that I wanted you know, or desired or thought about or whatever. And I was so struck in fear that I created this internal dialogue of, well, I've got to get this from somewhere, you know, I, I, I and I want to, I, I want to explore this or this is what I want and I'm not getting it for my wife, but I wasn't getting it for my wife because I didn't feel like I could be honest with her because of shame, guilt, or what if she rejects me? What if she thinks I'm weird? And I'm going to put myself out there as a male talking about this because I know I'm not the only one, but I'm willing to admit it. Can you describe in, in your words what you think that that is all about? Because, again, I think this is more of a male problem than it is a female problem. I could be wrong. I disagree with you. Men and women both cheat, I think, equally. And um, I was a cheater, too. But cheating is not a, is not a bad thing. Let me explain that. Cheating is also not knowing yourself and being afraid and also going, this is what I'm supposed to do in life. I'm supposed to marry someone. I'm supposed to settle down. But internally, you're, you know, you don't want to. And there's different types of relationships out there. And it's also something that I teach about open relationships. And open relationships can mean all kinds of things. So in my young 20s, I was cheating on guys. Um, 
I was afraid to tell them what I really wanted because I didn't know what I wanted. I was learning about myself. And then I think about 24, 25, I read some books from Barnes and Noble. Don't ask me <laughs> what they were called. I don't remember, but it was about open relationships. And it's the first time I'd ever heard about open relationships because people don't talk about that. They only talk about marriage and you know having kids. And I saw this new world and I started experimenting with it about, like I said, when I was 25 and now I'm 40. So about 15 years. And honestly, it helped me to be more honest with people, more honest with myself. I had longer lasting relationships, more loving relationships, because it was the first time that I was ever being honest with someone. It's not for everybody. And also open relationships mean all different types of things. Relationships are not a one size fits all world. And that's how society tells you it is, but it's not. And you should really get out there and find like your true self and what you want. So it's both men and women both cheat. <laughs> well, you're right, but I what the question was though about what do you think it is about that fear of not being willing to be honest with your partner? Um, the fear can be rejection, not getting accepted. It's the same thing as talking to your partner about sexual preferences. Like, hey, honey, I would like to try, you know, something. There's something I have on my mind about the fetish world. I'd like to get tied up. You're afraid to tell your lover that because they might go, oh, my God, you're a freak. What's wrong with you? So it's also the same thing with, you know, anything in the, talking to people. People are fearful about what people are going to think about them. And the number one thing, you should stop caring what people think about you. Yeah, because they're probably not thinking about you anyway. They're not. <laughs> Trust me, they're not. <laughs> I mean, at least not as much as you think so. Um, true, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've, I've really you know, truth is, is so powerful that it's, it's one of those things that really like just living your truth. And I, some, I heard, I saw someone's Instagram post. They were talking about your truth is not the truth. You, you know, really truth can also be perception, you know, cause what's true to you, you know, may not be to someone else based on perception. So when I say you're speaking your truth or living your truth, it's what's true to you. And, and living that, but also, you know, being willing to be vulnerable and being able to say that this is who I am and this is what, you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to overcome or this is what I'm battling with or, or simply this is what I desire. It's amazing how truth brings people to you, the right people to you that belong in your life. But and it takes courage. People, yeah, because people always say, how do I find people like you in open relationships? And I say, well, where are you hanging out? What groups are you hanging out with first? And they're going on match.com. You're not going to find that on dating websites. You need to find a group of people that are open-minded, like-minded, which is what my group is, and start hanging out with people more like that than you know, trying to go on these dating websites where it's just a booty call. Or yeah. Match.com. And uh, you know, <laughs> I, re I remember when I was on Match after my second marriage, and uh, well, that became basically, well, <laughs> but, um so if somebody like one of sex and money tend to be the biggest struggles in relationships and so say you have a married couple where there's just not a a, a connection there where you know it's just it's just off and you know and, th and that's typically when people cheat but they obviously and they don't want to do that they don't they want to honor the the covenant of the relationship of their marriage but they're really, really struggling. Like things are just off. Like, what do you say to a couple that's in a situation like that? 
Well, first off, people cheat for many reasons. Yes, something's always going to be off, but it could be finances. It could be the kids. It could be um, religion. It could be many things. And it really has to come down to what is it? That's a, it's a very open question. Can you be a little bit more specific? <laughs> well, I mean, it was open to let you answer it to your, your best yeah, ability. It could be. Look, I can go down a lot of freaking wormholes with you, but the, it's what's true to you. Yeah, you know, it, a couple it, off, what are they off with to help them out is what I mean. Yeah. Well, they, there's, there's no chemistry there. Like there's not like say there's, there's no chemistry or it's more like really they're just kind of friends. So you know? sometimes when you go into, let's say, therapy or coaching because I am a sex coach, sometimes when you go in there, you may find out that you're just not <laughs> meant to be together. And that's OK to say, you know, the relationship's not working out. If there's no chemistry, you can't make you can't fake chemistry. I'm sorry, you can't. Oh, I so, agree with that 100%. I don't know what brought you together in the first place. Maybe you're at a bar and you guys got drunk and you guys hooked up and it just became convenient. I have no idea. Again, um, but if there's no chemistry, again, <laughs> maybe you guys should go your separate ways. Well, and I'm just speaking in hypothetical yeah. terms because I I'm thinking about the I'm going through the my Rolodex. I'm a highly codependent human being and and so like i've never really not been in a relationship and i've worked on my codependency and stuff like that where i'm not now but i was and so i was in a lot of different relationships and i was trying to make the the iphone fit into the water bottle as much as possible and it just wasn't freaking working right but i was willing to do it because look there was another need there but I have been in those situations where it's like, oh my God, I'm dating my, I'm dating my sister, you know, but it's like, and then there's a conversation of, well, you know, yeah, but we can develop chemistry later or like, yeah, we can work on it. And I'm one of those people that believe that you just know right away. Like it's yeah. almost a soul connection. No, I mean, there's, there's sometimes you have those relationships where it's very lustful, but you have nothing in common, you know, have fun yeah. with that. And there too. Yeah, but it's really about, it comes down to learning about yourself. And that's something that I did at a young age. I saw that my pattern was two years in cheating. That's just something I did. And the reason why I cheated is because I couldn't talk to the person. It was better if I got caught. So they broke up with me and it was easier. You know, I was more like a, a scaredy cat. I was chicken. And I, yeah. And I told myself, I don't want to keep repeating these patterns, which most people do throughout their life. And I sat down and that's when I found the books and that opened myself to a whole new world. And when I was trying out these open relationships, it wasn't like it just happened overnight. And I said, oh, my gosh, I found it. You know, this is what I want to do. It was trial and error, you know, trying to figure out what it is that I wanted and, you know, and getting out of this pattern and being more honest with people. But it wasn't about being honest with people. It was about being honest with myself. And then that made me be honest with people. That's pretty that's pretty powerful. I like that. Um, so what do you, what is your feeling or knowledge about soul ties? <laughs> I don't, I mean, I don't believe in soulmates. <laughs> no, soul ties. Soul ties. Words, you take, take the soul, when you have, when you have intercourse with someone, you take their, you take on their spirit. Okay. That's what I mean by soul ties. Do you know anything about that? Um, I believe in energy. Okay. So you can have, I've had, you know, where I've had sexy people where it's the first time or it takes a few times where I've just had this amazing connection with somebody, you know, to me, it's just feeding off their energy. I feed off people's energies very well. Um, and then sometimes you can have sex with people and you feel no energy. 
so whatever you want to call it, you know, soul ties, energy, um, lust, and love. Actually, oh no, no, no! I, I'm, we're talking about something completely different. I would, I, I would like to challenge you about reading about soul ties and what I they. I've never heard of well, it. Yeah. As, <laughs> as somebody that is a professional in sex, you should probably explore this. Uh, it's very, very interesting because there's a belief that when like for instance i like i speak out a lot about sex abuse because i was i was molested mm -hmm. by men and women i talk like one of the things that they believe was what the cause of some of the mental health issues that happen with ptsd um with borderline personality disorder and other things is that it's a it's, it's actually the spirit of the individual that had molested you and you take that on and it almost takes on a whole other thing but so that argument goes along with the, the other soul ties that happen with just your partner. You know, that's why there's an argument for waiting till you're married and things like that is because you do take on the spirits of the people that you're with. So that's, that's what it's about. So I would like to challenge you to actually. A little bit more before I can answer that properly, but I, I saw it more as like an energy or something or a soul. Oh, no. But let me ask you something. If there wasn't an energy there, why would, like, if there wasn't an energy, because I would have to think that the energy is there before you sleep with the person, right? Oh, definitely, definitely. But there's been times that let's I'm I go to swinger events, and yeah. there's been times where you meet someone and there's just that attraction, you know, and that's an energy too. But there's an attraction, and um, I don't know. It's just like you can be amazing, <laughs> like you know, you're usually when you have. I always say when you have amazing sex the first time with one person you met, just leave it at that. Don't give them your number because when you do that, it's not as great the second time. <laughs> and I'm not saying all occasions, but <laughs> just let that one night be wonderful memory. I uh, yeah, and and that's something for me for a long time. Like I, sex for me has been so jaded since I was a child. Like it's really strange. Like now that I'm, you know, I'm married, and there's you know, there we try to do everything right, but there is a legitimately. Like if my mind couldn't twist it into something strange, then it was like didn't exist for me. Like I, I didn't have a desire for it, and it's it's something that I've I'm ha I've been doing a lot of work to work through because it's I you know like I want to have a normal healthy love life and a normal healthy. Yeah, what's normal, you know? I mean, we all there. I don't think there's anything wrong with having weird twisted fantasies as long as they're not illegal and you're not acting on them. But the stuff right. that goes through my mind when having sex, I wouldn't share with people. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. That's fun though. What? Um, is sharing it? I um no, and I it's that, people already find me weird that I watch murder shows. So. <laughs> yeah, I can't even do that anymore. I I again, I am so sensitive to every like every type of energy because i've got it coming at me every different way and then of course i put off a lot of energy so it's like i'm a magnet for crazy as this and and good it's yeah. just and it, it for me it's like always if i don't walk I, there's this line of i have to walk and i've got to be very very careful about going too far right or too far left or like i'm off on some wild you know 10-day freaking adventure that you know, I, I just disappear for a while, and I, I can't. I for me can't do that. Like I can't. I cannot mess with that straight line for me. I wish that I could kind of go into that squiggly line, but for me, it's a dangerous trap. 
just because I don't have healthy boundaries in that area. Well, at least it sounds like, you know, you've learned about yourself and you've learned what you can and cannot do. So, you know, yeah. and most I mean, people haven't learned that. They're 40 and 50 and they're still going down the same negative, you know, path that's, you know, so good for no, you. I know. <laughs> and I, and I deal with those kind of triggers all the time and it's been, it's been interesting. So like, and I'm always fascinated to have these conversations because I've had a lot of different people of, you know, like the sexual divine energy. I've had a lot of different um, people that specialize in sex in different areas come on the show. And it's so interesting to hear because their expertise is what it is. Yeah. Yet the conversation is so profoundly different. So I want to ask you, what is the greatest challenge that you have doing what you do? Challenge? You have to have a challenge because you're putting yourself out there as, I mean, you whether it's crazy people that you have to deal with, like there's got to be a challenge. People, that's what's shocking. I have an amazing group of people that come to my events and I don't have any problems with anybody. It's like, I don't even know what a challenge is. I think the challenge more would be getting more people to accept their naughty side, you know, and having the word naughty not be so bad because when I lived in London, that's how I, <clears throat> excuse me, came up with the word naughty. I, it's very, it's used as very cheeky. People use it for their kids you know, they call them a naughty boy, but in a good way. It's, you know, it's meant playful. And I was like, oh my gosh, naughty Los Angeles is a cheeky, fun word to use. You know, I come back to the US, people are like naughty, what the heck? You know, no, and it's frowned upon. And so I'm trying, my biggest challenge is not to get people to discriminate against me. I do all the time with my business, not to look at me in a negative way, like, oh my gosh, she's going to hell. Um, and just accepting, you know, and, you know, um, getting in touch with their naughty side. That's, that's okay. That is exactly what I'm talking about. That when I was talking about challenges, thank right. you for saying that because I would imagine there, there's a lot of judgmental douchebags out there, first and foremost. I mean, there's some really. Um, I, I would say yes for men, but honestly, I would say more for women. Yeah, I get called a slut more. Um, your your parents must be proud more by women than I do men. That's what I'm actually trying to say and express that is because as a woman who is basically standing up and basically being your, your sexual being self and you have this business, I would imagine the, the double standards are off the freaking charts. The yeah. judgment, the criticism, the you know other women, and yet at the same time, those same women that are criticizing you, like, what are they doing in secret? I know exactly. And, and the thing is, is like, I'm not really doing this job for myself. I've already, you know, worked on myself and gotten to a good place in my life. I'm doing this for them, but then yet they're being negative against me. But I don't care about the negative things because I have so many people that are very positive about my group and love what I do, and it's been life changing for them. So. Like, so what's your ultimate goal? So, I mean, are you, are you planning, like, what would you say in 10 years, what do you see yourself doing? Um, still spreading the naughty. My ultimate goal is just to get people to embrace their naughty side a little bit more. It can change a lot of things. Um, when you're more, I find out when you're more naughty, especially with my guests. And again, it's your naughty levels are all different. It doesn't have to be sleeping with a bunch of men. It could be as easy as just watching people being a voyeur, but you be, I see a confidence in people. They stand up taller. They may dress a little sexier. 
And when you're more confident, it plays in all areas of your life, such as work, your kids, family life. So I see a change in that with people. And that's kind of what I want to do because it helped me by adding more naughtiness into my life by just everything that I do. Yeah. I had somebody on the show that is also specializes. They're in more into the spirituality of sex mm -hmm. and they came on the show and they basically said your financial abundance and sex come from the same place. It's, it's, they're tied together. No, I agree. Because if, you're, block, if you're blocking your sexual identity and who you are, then the way that comes out is, well, it, you're, you're being blocked financially as well. Like you're not in abundance. Well, which is interesting phenomenon. Example, you're not getting what you want in the bedroom or, you know, you know, people, they always say, um, you can always tell when someone's had great sex because it shows on their face. But let's say you're not getting what you want in the bedroom. That negativity is going to go back to work. It's going to go back to your kids. You know, you're going to have this negative side. So it does affect all areas of your life. I agree. So what is outside of this? Like what's something about, like what's something about yourself that would surprise us? Like what's an interest that you have that is separate from Naughty LA? Um, a lot of things. I mean, I, I travel the world, but then again, you know, I'm looking for naughty things. But I would say I just posted this yesterday on my Instagram page and my stories. Um, I love Barbie dolls. <laughs> and I have a room dedicated to Barbie dolls. And I just showed my whole Barbie doll collection. And people were like, wow, that's really impressive. I didn't know that about you. I have a Barbie doll Instagram page. And I take her around the world with me, put her in different outfits and post photos of her. <laughs> I've always loved Barbie as a kid because I saw Barbie as an independent woman where I don't know how anyone thinks anything negative of Barbie. Right. But I always saw her as independent, having her own house, having her own pots and pans, um, not being married. And that played a big role for me as a kid. That's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be independent, not married. So yeah, it's my thing. I, I loved it growing up as an adult. And I said, you know what? I'm going to get Barbies and I started collecting them. It's like the traveling gnome, but with Barbie. I did that with the, the I had a rock, the re professional okay. wrestler, the rock figurine. I, we, I did that with on a couple of trips. It was a lot of fun. It, it was, we'll do it. I've seen people, people pose with the rock and yeah, yeah. nobody poses with my Barbie, but she has clothes and it's just something I like. But again, it does have a naughty side to it because I put her in naughty outfits or something sexy or she goes somewhere naughty. <laughs> I guess you've got to stick with the brand, right? So you, you've written a book, right? I wrote five, yeah. Five books. God bless, really. Yeah. Wow. And how can people get those books? On Amazon or? Amazon. Um, also, my website, the best place to go find them in one place is naughtytravelguide.com. So they're naughty travel guides to different cities. Okay. I'm going to post all the links uh, in the in the section and everything else. And when we create the blog, we'll have the, all those links up for you as, all, as well. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think what you're doing, I, I think it's important. And again, this is this is a little bit. I'm sure there's some people going, what the hell are you doing with this show right now? Because, um, I mean, it, it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't fit the norm. But to me, it does, because part of. Part of being grat grateful and part of like living like unfiltered is living in truth, but also that that's coming with like being honest with who you are. And there's so much hate and discrimination in this world based around sex, and that's caused people to go and start living in secret. 
I guarantee you that if we created a space of couples and relationships, created a space of honesty with each other, that there would be less cheating. You know, like if you have an arrangement and you you set that up, that's between you and your partner. But I mean, if you, but the the secret life when you're sneaking around, and I've done this, so I'm not judging anybody for anything. I'm just telling you, there's a lot of devastation and hurt that comes from that. I should know I've broken up two families now because of my my inability to control myself in the past and and, and the, just the path that I was on, which was not the right path for me. But at the same time, there is a balance. And quit being a pussy, men, and be honest about what you want with your partner. And 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 then women too. Like it's we get to be honest with each other in all aspects of our relationship. And guess what? If it doesn't fit. Quit trying to fit the iPhone into the water bottle because it ain't happening. In other words, it may not be the right partner for you. Well, that's true. Yeah. I mean, like I said, it was a, a long journey that I went on. Don't expect it to change overnight. You're, we're constantly learning about ourselves and changing who I am today at 40. I'm not going to be that person when I'm 50, you know? So yeah. don't be afraid to evolve and, and change and learn yourself. I mean, that's what this life is all about for me is growing and learning. Yeah, I think I change every day. It's like yeah. it's every day, and it's almost it, at this point. I think it is schizophrenia. I don't even know. Uh, listen, Sienna, I I'm so grateful that you came on the show. I really appreciate it. You, um, I love I you know I love what you're doing because you're empowering people to speak their truth and live their truth, and like and that to me is important because it's it's sad the state of how relationships have gotten and how jaded. I think you're setting you're creating the space of authenticity. Um, of, of honesty and you really are creating, I think, healthier relationships by your mission. Okay. I really believe that. So I, I appreciate your work. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate awesome. it. Absolutely. Well, listen, you have a blessed day. Have a happy Christmas. I'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Bye. Bye. See you in, everybody. So, yeah, that was interesting. I, 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 I personally think that, and I'm sure some of the people are like, wait a second, I thought this was a faith-based show. Um, I'm sure some of you are just going, what the heck was that? But no, I, I listen, I want to hear everyone's messages. I mean, if I could get the head of the satanic church on here, I would do it. Um, I've got, I have, um, yeah, I have some very interesting guests coming up over the next few months because I'm really poking around at wanting to know what what's different you know like i want to hear different viewpoints and it doesn't mean that i have to agree or disagree and it doesn't mean you have to agree but it's always nice to hear about other people's reason for what they do it's nice to know why they do what they do and you can also see the good in anything if you choose or you can just sit and criticize and bash it you can do that too but what's the freaking point um okay so i want to talk about something i only had a limited time and i actually really really care about this subject so I kind of at the beginning of the show, I mentioned um, the mental health uh, museum I went to. I'll show it to you. So I don't know if you can see, but it's restoring the, the restoring human rights and dignity to the field of mental health. The Citizens Commission on Human Rights. I have the international director coming on the show to talk about um, like the psychi psychiatry industry and, um, and the attack on us. It is. I'm not giving you some conspiracy theory stuff here. I'm giving you truth. Uh, screw big pharma. Screw the psychi psychiatry industry because it's absolutely asinine what they're doing to people. I am getting ready to just 
I, I had so much uh, content that I was able to, or research that I was able to pull and take with me over all of the psychiatric drugs that we're taking. Adderall is a form of cocaine. Um, what's the one that's um, uh, the one that everybody, Adder, no, not Adderall. Adderall is a form of meth. What was the other one that used to be an ADHD drug? That's a form of cocaine. Um, you know, the poppy fields, uh, the heroin epidemic, pain pills. Where do you think it's coming from? Seriously. But we have the psychiatry, this industry is, is, is killing us. It's killing us. How do you explain the fact that the founders of psychiatry and like you read the, the, the history of these organizations and what their main agenda is? Read about it. It's in plain English for you to see for yourself. <clears throat> the fact is this. That it's 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 killing us. It's making us dumb. It's keeping us from being able to connect to God. It's for us to be able to feel inside of us that internal guidance system, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit, what source, whatever you guys call it today. Like it dumbs your ability. Go look and go look at what these drugs do to the pineal gland. Look what it's doing to your brain. It's torture, it's murder. And when you look at the how the research was done to figure out if these drugs were legit or not, look at it. It, it look at the history of it. It's in it's madness. Like if you look at what the whole point of the Holocaust was, looking at it at its core, look at it. It's so screwed up what these people were doing to us, and yet we just pop these pills like it's nothing. It's affecting us. Look, I understand that some of us went to school and maybe we didn't learn as well, we couldn't read as well, we couldn't pay attention in class, we're falling asleep. You ever think that maybe it was just because the school system is outdated? You know, do you ever think that maybe that person that's super hyperactive is an actual genius? Did you ever think for a second that dyslexia is not a bad thing at all? that it's a gift. Uh, go read David vs. Goliath by Malcolm Gladwell about perceived weaknesses. Most of the geniuses in this world, most of the, the most brilliant minds, the most creative people in this world could also be considered batshit crazy. And you start taking that medication, it takes away your gift. And I'm sure I'm setting myself up for all kinds of criticism from people about this. Um, but I'm telling you that the research is damning against them. How I think the amount of medication, like I was reading Ozzy Osbourne's story about the medication and the amount of stuff that the doctors gave Ozzy Osbourne. It, it, his, his medical bills were like $500,000 a month. There's hundreds of medications. Like it, it like it, it. I don't know if you can Google this or not, but read about it. How how did how does that make any sense? And and the other thing too is think about this. Anything synthetic that we put in our body is not good. I mean, we do we take in a lot of synthetic things. We really do. We can't. It's almost an. It's almost impossible to avoid. But the fact is, if it's not naturally occurring, or if it's not something that we our body recognizes it's absolute 
freaking uh, Aaron. Yeah, we. I'd love for us to have a conversation about this. It's screwed up. Like, why do you think big pharma? Like, the whole reason why cannabis is legalized right now is so that big pharma can start making money on it. And guess what? They're about. They're about to. Things are about to get really, really interesting in the world of cannabis. And by the way, if you think that that cannabis you have is organic, you're absolutely insane too. And it it's just messed up, and it's really, really, really starting to have an, a, an, a really bad effect on people in their inability to discern between what is good. What is not? What is good for them? What is right for them, and what's not? That that ability is taken away every time that we take um, more medication. Every time we start putting this in, putting it in our bodies, these antidepressants, these antipsychotics, these uh, the, the mood stabilizers. Oh my gosh! I pulled up some stuff on mood. I'm gonna be doing a sh like shows, like solo for a while, just so I can freaking talk about what I'm the, the research that I'm doing on this. Because as you know. I really want to prove to people that these mental health issues are actually superpowers. And maybe that's part of the mental health issue is believing that this is, can be a superpower, but screw you. I get to believe what I want. I get to believe that sometimes disassociation is not such a bad thing. And yeah, guess what? We get to take separate, we get to take precautions, you know, like for me, what's up, Jessica, how you doing for me? Like I have to create a little bubble around me, okay? Because there's times when, yeah, I don't know what's real because I deal with disassociation. It sucks, but sometimes I, I it's it's it, for me. I don't want if I the minute I start taking medication again, the minute I start taking it, I lose that thing that I love about me. Like the one thing that I love about me, the one thing that I have that I believe is my gift from God. Like that we all have, it's all different, but I mean, each one of us have different gifts, but medication takes that gift from me. And, and I don't want to take it. Like, I don't want to deal with that anymore, especially all the meds that they put me on. Even when I was just taking one, when I was just on Lamictal, it took away what made me me. Like the gift that I have, the thing that I get to use, the creativity, the drive, the hustle, the, the, the relentless nature of never giving up. That, that didn't exist when I was on medication. So now, what do I have to do? Okay, here's the deal. That means everybody in my life, I get to educate. All right, this is the deal. I don't let borderline personality disorder define who I am, but I get to educate the people in my life and my love that it's not about you. If I get real quiet or if I shut down, it's me trying to process what is going on with me, but it's not about you. Or when I start getting the attacks in my brain, and I'm going to talk about this right now. So I am, the last four days, I have been dealing with spiritual attacks that you would not believe. And this is the one that scares me. The suicide spiritual attack I knew wasn't real. When the devil was just taunting me, telling me, might as well kill yourself because I'm going to get you anyway. I'm going to get you one way or another. When the, when the enemy was telling me that, I was like, I knew that that wasn't real. The one person I'm afraid of is my dark passenger. And that attack has started coming. And you know why it started coming is because I knew I was going to be alone. I'm going to be alone on Christmas. Um, you know, I've, I, 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 I'm going to be alone on Christmas. I'm going to work. I'm going to volunteer. I'm staying here. Jennifer's going to home to Phoenix to be with her family. It's that, that's the way it should be. But 
It was already talking to me, telling me, oh, you're going to be alone. And I could just feel the wings flapping of my dark passenger. Frighten me. It scares me to death. Because I shared with you the reason why gratitude filter unfiltered exists is because I, I had a bad relapse with meth. And I went off the deep end and I because I gave up, I quit caring. I was heartbroken over something and 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 just and I was angry and mad and I quit caring and I allowed I allowed the passenger to come in because he can't get in without permission. And if you think I'm crazy right now, fine, but just talk to somebody with borderline personality disorder. I think they can explain it to you. But the point is this, I, I, God saved me. I, like God let me go through it. I could see him. I remember I could see it and feel him going, I got you. I'm going to let you go through this, but I got you. But it happened. It was happening again. I could feel it creeping back up because I'm in isolation. Like I'm, I'm, I'm basically alone in the hills and I'm going to be for five days and I could feel it talking to me, taunting me, come on, let's just go, let's go, let's do this, let's do this. And I know what it means. And I just, I remember I stopped and I prayed, oh God, send me messengers, send me messengers, send me signs to remind me of what the truth is, Rem remind me of who I am. Because part of the problem with borderline personality disorder is sometimes forgetting who we are, forgetting what is real, forgetting what is, what is, what is, um, forgetting that. We do have a purpose, we have a meaning, we have love, we have a life to give, we have light to bring. But sometimes the darkness feels so much better and that's the thing that just starts talking, just talking away. So I prayed, because I don't wanna derail this. The, the other promise I made when I started Gratitude Unfiltered was that I was gonna take a big ass spotlight. Um, I've got a big ass spotlight on me right now I'm going to put that big spotlight and I'm going to put it on my shadow. I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to talk about it because if I disappear for a few days, then you know what happened. If you don't see me on social media, if you don't see me doing a live or creating content and it's like a consecutive days in a row and you don't see me doing stuff, I can pretty much guarantee you what happened. I'm not proud of it. This is why I do things the way I do it. It holds me accountable. Like people go to AA, people go to psychiatrists, people go to doctors, people do all that. This is my light. I put a spotlight on my shadow and I do it. I'm only doing it because I'm trying to protect myself. And at the same time, trying to give other people the courage to do the same thing, because I'm going to tell you right now, like nothing grows good in the dark. And if I put a light on it, that means I can keep going. I can hold myself accountable, you know, and because I don't, this. I don't want to hurt. I don't want to hurt the people I love. I don't want to let anyone down, but also I don't want to hurt myself. So the reason why I talk about things the way that I do is so I can keep from doing it again. 
it's so I'm the master at hiding. I'm the master at, 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 at going back in the shadow and, and, and disappearing. So, you know, I guess I could go see a psychiatrist. I guess I could go do all those things, but I don't believe in it. I don't want to numb myself. I don't want to numb my light. I don't want to take away from the gifts that I've been blessed to have. You know, I mean, those are amazing. They're gifts from God. <laughs> and if I go the opposite route, if I go the opposite direction, if I, if I allow that the, the passenger to take over, if I allow that to happen again, then what happens? Because I don't know how many chances I can get. Like I've gotten a lot of chances. You know, and I guess I could have, and I, I didn't, for a long time, I didn't deserve to be alive. And now I do. But if I, if I give in and allow the passenger to take over again, am I going to get another chance? Like I'm, I'm building momentum for the first time. The things I've been working on for five years are finally coming together. Finally. And so I care enough about the people I love and I love myself enough to do whatever it takes to prevent it from happening. And whatever it takes doesn't mean going to take as much medication as I can take. It's doing what's necessary. And for me, it's putting a light on the shadow. For me, it's talking about it. For me, it's just revealing the ugly truth. You know? I, I can't change anything that I've done. And the best thing that I can do, the best thing that I get to do is just to be honest and live my life, you know, the best I can, but also take all the precautions that are necessary and do the work that's necessary because I want to stay on the path that I'm on. I want to stay on the path that I'm on. You know, I... I get a lot to, to, I do some crazy things, you know, I'll take some crazy leaps of faith. I believe, I believe in taking chances. I take, I believe in taking leaps of faith. Uh, you know, like even when they don't work out, it's okay. Like if I, I really think that we are all blessed when we take those leaps and it feels right in our spirit, it feels right in our heart. And we take those leaps and we take those risks you know, I think that we ultimately get rewarded for it or we experience joy, which is a reward, you know, or we're blessed in some way or we inspire somebody to do the same thing. Like that gives meaning and purpose to it. You know, I, I'm, I'm going to make mistakes, but I at least at the very least can say that I'm going to live doing what I feel led to do and led by the right thing, not by something evil or something sinister. So anyway, I, um, that's why I'm talking about this because I am holding myself accountable because I want to make sure that I don't give in to, um, passenger, you know, I mean, the holidays for a lot of people are tough, you know, being alone, isolated in the Hills, um, is not real good for someone like me, but that's what's the reality is, um, for five days, I'm going to be alone. And, um, that's why I'm talking about this because if I disappear, then you guys all know that what I've done, I've, I've gone and I've given in.
to the spiritual attacks, the dark passenger, that's what's happened. But it's not going to happen because I put a light on it and I'm talking about it. And I've set up booby traps for myself everywhere because I am who God says I am. And I get to be that person. And that's what matters most, you know? And those enemy thoughts are never gonna go away. But I'm gonna, this is how I'm gonna fight it. This is how I'm gonna fight spiritual attacks. This is how I'm going to fight those, those voices in my head is I'm gonna talk about it. Because if I talk about it, then maybe somebody else will talk about it who's doing something with it too. I don't think that's so bad. All right, you guys, uh, PSTV, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, TuneIn, Facebook. Got, I love you guys. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you for your support. Um, you know, our guest, I want to give a you know, shout out to her again. Thank you for coming on the show. Um, it was very, very interesting. And, um, you know, I'm looking forward to doing some deeper, more meaningful discussions about mental health stuff. And I'm going to actually talk about the drugs and what they do, the history of them, the research, the origins, the side effects, how it affects you, how it affects you spiritually, uh, regardless of religion. Like I'm gonna get into all this stuff because believe it or not, when you look into the history of psychiatry, there's some new people that are watching right now. When you look into the history, what psychiatry is, is a war on your religion. Yeah, I said it, I'm saying it. It's a, re re your relation, psychiatry is a war on your relationship with God. And that is God, however you see it. God is in you, you know, the God above, the God in your brain. You know, I mean, Jesus said we were gods. We're made in his image. Psychiatry is a war on that. Why else when you look at the, the brain scans and what this stuff does to our brains, to our pineal gland, how it affects our spirit, you know, that spirit. When you look at what these drugs are doing and how it's affecting us, how it's affecting you, how it's affecting your kids, when you look at that, it's going to make everyone have to take a second look and have to start asking questions to their doctor about why are you prescribing me all of these medications? Because they don't know that it's going to work for you. They don't even know that that diagnosis that they're giving you is accurate. The Menendez brothers is a prime example. Yeah, I'm talking about serial killers now, but the prime minute, the, the prime, um, the, the Mendez brothers who brutally murdered their, their, their parents for sexually abusing them. One of the reasons why they had so much trouble in that trial is because every psychiatrist that they had try to diagnose them could not, they could not agree on the diagnosis. Every time it came back, it was something different. They had the same evidence to go off of. They did their own research and every single psychiatrist came back with a different diagnosis. What does that tell you? Things haven't changed much, except for now we're ramping up the production of opiates. You know, you think about how much, how easy it is. Think about how easy it is now. Look at what Ritalin is. Ritalin is cocaine. Um, what is Adderall is meth. Like, and they're giving it to kids. Something else that's pretty interesting. The reason why when we're using these drugs, these psych the, the prescribed drugs, when we use them, 
a lot of people that are using those end up going and doing cocaine or they go up and do meth. The reason why it becomes a full-blown addiction so quickly is because our body recognizes it because the molecule is basically the same dadgum thing. The biggest problem, one of the biggest problems that we have right now in this country and maybe even globally, um, go look at the, um, the chemical compounds of these, um, these like the designer drugs, the ones that you can buy at a head shop. Uh, uh, what is it? Kratom. Uh, there's, um, you know, the bath salts, things like that. Go look at what those are. They're synthetic versions of drugs. Like it's like, oh, it's legal ecstasy. You know how that works? So when a, when a, the FDA, when they want to come after a drug, they're actually, and they want to make something illegal, they actually go after a molecule. Well, these drug makers, the way they get around it, you remember like ephedrine and mini thins and stuff like that, pseudoephedrine, ephedra, um, and then 1,3-dimethyl, like all of these pills, right? So the way that they work it is all they have to do is go in and change the chemical compound. I don't know why I'm holding up this bottle, but where they go in and they tweak a molecule and then it's off. And guess what? Then they have to start the process all over again to go after that ingredient to make it illegal. That's why... And that's why Kratom was a bad example, Aaron. Um, but that's why it's so hard with these, these over-the-counter drugs to keep a track of it because someone has to go fight it. Someone has to die before, before they can make a change, before they make a change because it'll fly under the radar. So all of these things are brutally affecting us in ways that we can't – and, and it, the synthetic nature of it makes it even more dangerous. I didn't mean to say Kratom, Aaron. I, wrong example. I was thinking of the zombie, the one that makes everybody the, the crocodile, uh, the crocodile drug, the one that is making people eat people's faces in Miami. <laughs> I forgot the name of that one. Um, but the point is this. It's dangerous. And really, really, before you just accept what your doctor says, you should do your research on the drug and the history of it because it could very well save your life, and especially if you have a child. Think about what you're giving your child. You talk about not wanting to give your kids sugar and you're worried about this and that, but then you go give them meth. It's kind of a double standard. Take the time and do your research. Don't trust what your doctor tells you until you've done your own research because the research is available for you. Are you making an argument for Kratom, Aaron? <laughs> so anyway, I'm done preaching for now, but I'm going to start coming in and going after um, there, I'm going to start doing some shows about the history of these drugs that are being prescribed to us and what the origins were, the root of it, where they came from, who they did research on to discover how these things work and what the real purpose of psychiatry is. Because we're not as sick as they try to make it. We're just unique and different. We may be a little insecure. We may be a little uncomfortable with truth. We may, be, we may get bored. Well, maybe you're a freaking genius and you need to apply yourself. Maybe you need to find something that interests you. Maybe we need to start looking and having conversations about alternative schools because the way that we've been getting taught is not right. I was, I was, told, I was basically told I was dumb in school. I'm not dumb. I thought I had a learning disability. I, I thought all kinds of things. But the truth is, no, I'm actually really smart. And so are you. You're really smart, too. Maybe you just weren't taught in a way that your brain understood it because you learned a different way. Quit telling kids they're dumb. Quit telling people they're stupid, you know, or they're crazy. 
because I really, really believe that your mental health issue is actually the biggest blessing that's ever happened to you. That's what I believe, and I'm going to bleeping prove it. All right. God bless.